continue on our series in Psalm 23. I invite you to turn to Psalm 23. I'm going to read out of NIV, and if you're able to stand for the reading of God's Word, I invite you to do so. And it reads, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Let's pray again. God, thank you for your word and your spirit that shows us, illuminates the scriptures to us, Lord. We're thankful. Lord, we are just blessed by you, by your word, and blessed by this time that we've taken to walk through your Psalm 23 as you used David to speak to us and through your spirit as you directed him, Lord, and we're just thankful and we're blessed by it, Lord, and we just pray for the service as it continues on, that it brings a, a blessing and honor to you. We also want to lift up the other churches, Lord, that worship you and your son, Lord, and thank you for your spirit, thank you for them, and that we're just one small part of your kingdom, but we, we want to be faithful and faithful to your word. So we thank you. Prepare our hearts to receive your word. And again, whatever you want me to say, I say. Whatever you don't, I don't. We bless you and thank you. In Christ's name, amen. You may have a seat. So I do have a, a question just to open up. Just you, you can answer out loud if you want, but you don't need to. Um, has anyone uh, memorized Psalm 23, has anyone memorized it before? Has anyone memorized it now that we've been going through it? It, it wasn't a challenge. I didn't say you must memorize Psalm 23. Um, I was considering it this week. Sometimes I know I describe myself as a crock pot. I'm a slow cooker, so um, it's true. I'm not an air fryer, that's for sure. But uh, <clears throat> not even a smoker. I'm not even that good. It's just a crock pot. But anyways, whatever. But just thinking about it, I've realized that I've memorized this psalm and by accident, if you will, just by going through it again. And uh, I, uh, my default of memorizing it as a kid was through New, New King James. I don't know if there's any New King James fans out there. Um, and we use NLT here, and I've been reading through NIV. But what I've appreciated through that is that the way that God's Word just kind of sits on you, and the more that you spend more time, it, it, it's osmosis, it, it sticks, it, it connects with you, and it has for me. I know we, we have it in various places here throughout the church. We have it in the bathrooms, and, and uh, I know some of you have said and mentioned that you have it in your, your house I think it's wonderful. And the reason I bring that up is just because of this very point of talking about this morning, the second part of verse 5, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. And part of the, and we'll talk about both being anointed with oil and overflows, but 
I've realized, even in describing and explaining how the scripture just being memorized, is that my cup overflows many times and I don't even realize it. Sometimes I'm paying attention to some other thing or thinking that this area of my life is in need and here God has been faithful, just it's overflowing. And then when you slow down and acknowledge that, So as I was considering that, and then just quickly, if you haven't been here or if you've been here throughout this series as we've been walking through Psalm 23, just a 30-second catch you up as we are considering Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, and I'll continue to point to the fact that everyone has a Lord of their life. Ideally, it is the good shepherd, Christ, and once we realize that, then we can truly say we lack nothing because we're in his presence. He makes us lie down in green pastures and he leads us because he's faithful and leading us means we need to follow we have a responsibility to follow he refreshes our soul the importance of sabbath i hope you're taking your sabbath i hope you're taking your five ten two hours three hours of whatever it is a day with the lord as he refreshes your soul and as he he is faithful to guide us along the right paths and it's for his namesake his glory And even though I walk through the darkest valley, Richard taught on that, about in that deep, dark valley, he is with us. And many times he leads us. As he's leading us, we complain and realize that sometimes in those darkest valleys is where we are being protected the most. And from that, we won't fear any evil because he is with us. And we talked about the rod and the staff. And the rod was both to attack any intruder that came and the staff was to guide us. And that's what brings us comfort. It's almost like a, it's as if a friend who's always honest with you and doesn't just tell you what you want to hear. And then you prepare a table. This is where the metaphor, if you will, have, has transferred over, not just the sheep, because we're like sheep. But this metaphor is both and now. now. Now it's talking about God is the good host, as Christ is the good host. Last week we talked about how he prepares a table for us to enjoy in the presence of our enemies. And mentioned last week that if I was writing Psalm 23, I would have wrote this, that part, you prepare a table before me after you destroy all my enemies, if I'm honest. And now we're talking about you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. And we're still at this theme of sitting at this great big table that Christ has prepared for us as David is writing, but it's also going back to the field and how the shepherd would take care of of their sheep. So this morning we're going to talk about anointing a little bit, specifically with oil, and then our cup overflows. We'll spend the rest of our time. And I had mentioned before, I think in, in all the sermons this came from, this idea of going slowly through Psalm 23 came up from the book by Philip Keller, A Shepherd's View of Psalm 23. And I know many of you have bought the book and have enjoyed it. And it really came through as a shepherd. And, and humorously, I, I had joked, but I was serious that be careful what you search on the internet. It'll advertise all kind of things. So just if you're keeping up along with my Google search, if you want to know, now no longer does, it, does Google think that I'm trying to be a shepherd or trying to find a, another wife at farmersonly.com. Now it thinks that I want to go into the oil business. <laughs> and uh, I don't really. <laughs> So be careful what you look for. But as we consider this, I really want to talk about the oil and our, the cup overflowing. And, but first, I just want to describe the sheep. If you go back and imagine this shepherd as he's caring for a sheep, which King David was. He, was. 
he was known as a shepherd. He grew up as a shepherd. And, and I do believe he wrote this years later in his life as he's reflecting on the goodness of God. And one of the things that he describes is, is caring for his sheep. And the sheep would get various bugs and insects that would annoy them. So much so that some of the insects would actually lay the eggs in the sheep's nose. That's gross, no matter how well you, you paint that. And he would describe, he being Philip Keller in his book, would describe that if it would, it would get so bad that the sheep would just continuously bang their head on logs, on wood, on the grass, and one another. Have you ever been annoyed so bad that you felt like banging your head on something? And this is what he's describing. He's describing how this, the sheep would be tormented by insects. And the insects, for us, would be the sin. Or, in many cases, other people. And he, Philip Keller, would describe how the shepherd, a good shepherd, would anoint by dipping the sheep into oil. Get a vat full of oil. And he, in his book, he describes the concoction of tar and linseed oil and various things. And then take each sheep one by one. And, and if it was real bad, dip the whole, their whole body in it. And uh, in his sermon that he gave many, many years ago, he described, have you ever tried to give a toddler a bath who didn't want one? And their hands go out and they hold on for dear life, he says, just like the sheep. And he was talking about how the sheep would fight and they were scared and, and how he knew that just this oil would just take care of it. And sometimes they would be out in the field and he would carry a little container of the oil and put it over the sheep's head. And instantly they were relieved. And, but have you ever felt instantly relieved by Christ? I hope you have. There was also another thing that he described for sheep. He described this disease, the skin irritation called scab, where it would spread among the sheep, and one sheep would get it and then rub heads with another sheep because they're very affectionate creatures, and then next thing it would spread and it would spread, and, and it was the same thing. The only cure, the only thing that would take care of it was the oil. He would describe how expensive it was, how to do that for each and every one. He also described how, and he transitioned, and that will be my transition, that many times us as believers, we rub our heads into the world and we get things that we don't want in our brains. But yet, God is faithful. So as we consider this, as we consider now being a good host, that we are now sitting at the table, hopefully, ideally, we are not paying attention to the outside noise. It's so easy to get distracted here. Does anyone ever have a problem with their cell phone at the dinner table? Some of you looked away. I'm assuming yes. Maybe you're putting your phone away in your pocket now. It's the Bible, I promise. No. Um, what about other distractions? The the work of the day. We we have a rule uh, at our home that you know we put the cell phones away at the table so we're not distracted. Us being Natalie and I. Um, but you could still be sitting at the table and still being distracted. You can say, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. And they say, well, what did, what did I say, Daddy? Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. We can be distracted as we sit at this table. And yet the good shepherd, as he's prepared this great meal for us and describing it last week as the Bedouins, if the Bedouins would invite you in, even if you were a stranger, and take care of you at great cost to themselves, and now David, King David, is talking about 
anointing my head with oil. So as we consider this oil, what it actually meant, what it meant metaphorically, and what it does continue to mean for us today is first, in the ancient time, the oil was a way of being refreshed. When you invited someone into your home, and if you had already washed their feet, Jesus had washed their feet many times. If they were out in the desert, you would not have your feet washed because there was not enough water to use for that. But if you were out in a tent, you would be anointed with oil, and immediately you would start to feel better for several reasons. Oil was to refresh you. It was also, if you had any minor scrapes or bruises, it would also be a sign of welcoming you. Anytime in the Bible, when you are reading, anytime that you read in the Bible, anointing or someone being anointed, it's a beautiful illustration of God's blessing, specifically the work of his Holy Spirit, him being the Holy Spirit, blessing you. The Holy Spirit comes in and you're overflowed. It's, it's his anointing is not just to meet your needs, but to give you abundance. So this oil is representing the Holy Spirit. And once you have the Holy Spirit, you have the Holy Spirit now, since after Pentecost, when you believe and confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. But before that, in the Old Testament, God the Father would anoint people with the Holy Spirit for a time to do a task. So many times what they would do is uh, God gave instructions. We'll talk about that, how to make the, the perfect anointing oil. It was very specific. But again, it was representing God with us, with you. And then the, uh, the anointing with the olive oil in biblical times would also mean that you had an excess of olive oil that you were able to use, not just for cooking for healing, but to bless someone else. So just a couple of notes about the anointing oil. Anointing oil was used both for medical purposes, spiritual and ritual as you read through. It's the same um, pointing to the Holy Spirit for different reasons. Um, really, there's two times when someone is anointed, one for a physical ailment, um, and then for the inner, for the Holy Spirit. And then anointing oil was also uh, left the ancient times, but uh, people in Israel still use it today. And ultimately, really what it means, anointing, anointing someone or being anointed actually means Jesus the Messiah. Because Messiah actually means anointed one. So Jesus, the anointed one, has come. The anointing of oil was a way that you were made comfortable to be welcomed as a guest. And I want to talk about that just for a few moments. When we first moved here to Modesto, many of you were so very gracious and invited us to your home. And if I stopped by your home without my family, I tended to stay too long. <laughs> Maybe that's why I haven't been invited back. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, I just like to talk. And the reason why is because you made me feel welcome. Have you ever had a time where you invite, were invited someone somewhere to someone's home and you did not feel comfortable? Now, if this is you... I have no one specific in mind. Let me just qualify that when I describe this. But sometimes you walk into a home and it looks like it's a museum and you don't know if you're allowed to sit on the couch. Sometimes, and at least in my experience, I grew up a little ghetto. And when I say a little ghetto, that means all the ghetto and uh, from Long Beach. So the very first time that I was invited to have dinner with Natalie, my dear wife's family, there was more than one fork. Like, what does that mean? What? I thought spoons were for ice cream. Like, I, 
you're making fun of me because you grew up proper, apparently. But I had no, I, I felt so uncomfortable. So I just watched, honestly, I watched what everybody else did. This fork, this fork, just use your hands. I don't know, I don't care. But they made me feel very welcome once they, and then they felt really bad for Natalie. But I felt really welcome. But then there have also been times, I don't know if you've, we're having a conversation with a couple of friends over the weekend about this. And have you ever been at someone's home and the husband and wife start to argue right there in front of you, and you start to sweat nervously because you don't know if you're supposed to, okay, I'm just going to leave now. But, but this whole picture of being anointed with oil is you are welcomed, you are safe, you are refreshed, and I want you to be here. Now, obviously, we don't, I don't know of anyone here that anoints people when they come over with oil as a welcome guest, but this is what that represents. So the anointing is a way to make you feel comfortable, and now you are recognized as the honored guest. Now it's the guest's responsibility to enjoy themselves as the host takes care of you. All of your needs will be taken care of in the ancient time, and I would mention last week, even at great Loss for someone. We talked about Lot and, and that whole experience with the angels in Sodom and Gomorrah. So as we consider this anointing with oil, the, the welcoming of the guests, being filled with the Spirit, this is what David is talking about. You, you have dealt with everything that has been a distraction for me to come. That's really why when we receive the Lord's Supper, when we receive communion, that's why we don't just say, hey, on your way out, grab the bread and the juice and have a good time. It's you being prepared to receive with what God has. In a sense, making sure that when you come to the Lord's table, you are ready to listen to the Lord. So this is what the oil is. It's the filling of the Holy Spirit, the connection with our host, the good host. Now, once our head is anointed with oil, we'll go back and forth a little bit on that. The cup overflows. And if you read it in the original, anointing with oil, anointing actually means overflows, saturated with fat. You, you overflow me, you saturate me with fat. My cup overflows. So now we're, we're ready to go. And, and the thinking is, the, the illustration is, there is a constant filling from Christ. It's ongoing. It's on, it's, it, he's continuing to pour, and we're sitting at this table. Again, the, I mentioned the Bedouin people, if you're a stranger for three days, they'll take care of you, take you to the next place that you need to go. If you're an honored guest, you knew that you were a guest that was always welcome because your cup never went empty. So it was a sign from your host that anytime, essentially, you took a sip, they were filling it up again. You also knew that if your cup started to get empty, it was time to go. But as an honored guest, which we are with, through our relationship with Christ, it also means the guest is saying, I want you to be here. But what I've realized is many times when Christ has invited me to sit at his feet, I'm thinking about the next thing that I need to do. Yeah, Jesus, I'm with you, but I'm not with you. And I know I mentioned this several times. It's when Moses comes up to the mountain and God says, take off your sandals for you're on holy ground because you're going to be here for a while. When, when you go to someone's house and, and, you, and 
you leave your shoes on with the anticipation this is just going to be a quick trip. One of the things that was that can be very difficult for me um, is during the holidays when, when you have to visit family after family after family after family. It's great to see all the family, but the problem is, is I'm never with the family that I'm with because I'm always looking at my watch to make sure that I got to grandma's house on time or I wouldn't get pie. And then once I went to grandma's house, then I had to go to aunt's house. And if I didn't go, and then, you know, you wear your stretchy pants because you've already eaten too much, but you're always looking. And then finally, when you're at the last house, that's the house that you're actually at. So to be anointed with oil means you're going to stay, you're going to be filled with your cup. So if the oil represents the Holy Spirit, it also represents the joy that we have and being refreshed. And as you think of a cup runs over, we're just going to consider what it means for the cup, and we'll spend some time with looking at this cup. The cup is a representation of our life. And as we think about this cup overrunning and we consider this oil, God was very specific in the way that he wanted the oil prepared. Uh, I have Exodus 30 here on the screen for us. You can turn to Exodus 30. Verse 23 through 25, and I'm just going to read it to you. So if you're going to make the right amount, the correct amount, this is the recipe that God gives. Collect choice spices, 12 and a half pounds of myrrh, six and a quarter pounds of fragrant cinnamon, six and a quarter pounds of fragrant calamus, and 12 and a half of the cassin, and measure it by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. Also get one gallon of olive oil. Like a skilled incense maker, blend these ingredients to make a holy anointing oil. Now, when you read this, if you're sitting at home and you're just, you know, reading and doing a Bible plan, you're like, that's great. Why is it so specific? And we'll actually talk about this more on Good Friday, so you have to come. But um, it's very specific because it was set apart. This oil, if you continue to read through Exodus, it couldn't be used for anything else. It needed to be protection because it was not to be duplicated. Because part of when you are anointed with oil, when you're really anointed with the oil, when it's poured over you, when you wipe your face, your face is shiny and it's clean. And someone who sees you, walks by you, says, that person's been anointed. So what people were doing at this time, shocker, is they were making their own oil to look fresh, but not to be fresh. And I think this is perhaps one of common day hangups in the Christian walk is we want things to look good more than we want them to be good. We want to get the cheap version of the oil, wipe her face, put on a good smile, but not be changed by it. You know, I, I, I beat this drum pretty, pretty hard because I, I experience it myself and being a pastor, ever since I became a pastor, this is one thing that I've realized that can be a struggle, at least here for us in America, is as long as it looks good. I mean, we come up with the phrase, fake it till you make it. I mean, there's various other phrases, but I think that's the only G-rated version of it. But it's also this sense that I don't really want to go through the work of having the Holy Spirit do its, his work, do his work in me. I just want it to look like he's done his work in me. So that's why God was very specific and is very specific in Exodus saying, this is what the oil is for. 
And then you can anoint or set apart or bless them with the Holy Spirit. See, David knew this. David knew that he could have, as a shepherd, got the cheap version of the oil. Save a couple of bucks. It makes sense. It's only for the sheep. Why spend the, the, spend the good stuff on them? You remember whenever the, the Mary, when she was at the feet of Jesus and spilled out the perfume and, and such a big deal, you spent a whole year's wage on Jesus' feet. Like, what are you doing? But what King David knew is you can't take shortcuts. You can't get the cheap version, the over-the-counter version that's mainly 50% water. You have to use the good stuff or you're just going to continue to run into the same problem again. So God is very specific, was very specific in Exodus about this is what I want you to make the oil for and this is exactly how I want you to make it. And a lot of times we can read this and think, oh, well, we don't live in the Old Testament. Uh, I don't want to be legalistic. Um, I, I want to have faith. I don't want to be religious, all these other things. But part of the law is to point out two things to us. One, to show that we are sinners. And two, that if we are followers of God, can we follow what he asks us to do, even to make sure we have exactly 12 and a half pounds of myrrh? Because how easy would it be? Ah, just 12. Anyone take shortcuts on chocolate chip cookies? No. You put all the chocolate chips in it. But sometimes in the spiritual, we can take shortcuts. So as we are sitting at this table, as we are invited to this table in the presence of our enemies, we're anointed with oil. That means now we are prepared to have a conversation with God. So if this represents being refreshed and the cup now runs over, it also means we have to make sure that we're holding the cup in place when he's pouring it over. I mean, I, you know any time that you have you ever filled up someone's cup and they're not paying attention and the cup's all the way everywhere? See, he supplies as, a, as a, an abundance. It's a mindset of, of this difficult time, but it doesn't matter. The abundance is not limited to material blessings but it includes the Holy Spirit and the outpouring of it. Now, I suggest that we live in a time, specific. I'd say us, Renew, that we are so against prosperity preaching that we sometimes tend to shade a little bit to the other thing and we won't ask Christ to bless us. Or secretly we do. But what I've at least realized is that facing hardship experience and in the middle of the night when I'm praying and it's I don't want to say all my prayers isn't prayer, real prayer but you know the times when you're really really praying because you really really want it because you're really really scared or you really really blew it or whatever it is it's in those times of what you're asking for Christ is saying will you let me anoint you with my spirit will you not only allow me to do what you're asking but more importantly, will you let me work on all the crummy stuff on the inside of your life? See, our, our default, I, I would suggest, is that sometimes we try to fill our cup, our lives, with something other than Christ. And the description goes through the food and, the, and different various drinks that they spoil. But what I've noticed, too, is food that I try to fill up with 
that considers to be spoiled doesn't necessarily spoil right away, meaning to say sometimes what I'm trying to fill up is not necessarily bad, but it's not the source of Christ. My wife is not necessarily bad, but she can't fulfill the places that only God can fulfill. As much as I love being a pastor, I love being a pastor, I love being your pastor, but this can't fulfill me. It can only fulfill that spot in which a pastor can only fulfill. Only Christ can do that. Having children. I mean, the list can go on and on and on and on. So the question, as we are considering how God overflows my cup, here's a question to consider. Are you waiting for someone or something that will make you happier than you are right now? Are you waiting on someone or something that you think will make you happy? When I, when I get into this, what, what tends to happen is I have come to realize that no one can fill the place. No person can fill that place. No position, no money, no amount, whatever. I mean, look at all of the awful stories of people who win the lottery. Depending on the statistic you read, it's either 87 or 93% of all the people who win the lottery within two years go bankrupt. And there's various, I'll show you the PowerPoint sometime, but there's various depending on the amount because the reason is they've obtained more things, but they've not changed. That's why whenever you told yourself, once I get married, I'm going to be happy. That's all that I need. Then you get married, then you realize... Now what? <laughs> Nally's not here today, obviously. <laughs> Once I have children, oh, it's going to be, and then, huh, <laughs> that happens huh? way sooner than babies. Once I get that job, once I get that raise, once I get that, the reality is, is you are the same person you were before you had that stuff. There must be a change of your heart, and that's what the anointing, that's what the overflowing really means. Christ is more concerned about our soul, our heart, the whole person, than just the stuff that we, he gives us, which he blesses us with. But there must be that change of heart, or that person that you're waiting for, your wife, your children, your job, your money, whatever it is, retire, well, I wrote down retirement, vacation, you get the point. That doesn't make you feel better. It's just a temporary Band-Aid. So what is it that you think you need before things get better? What is it? Of course, the Sunday school answer is Jesus, which of course is true. However, talking to people, you, we can even use Jesus as something that he was never, never said he was going to be. Sometimes we get to a place that we think, this is all that I get. I just can't wait to die and be in heaven so I don't have to deal with this. And yes, heaven is real. It's a very real place. You believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Of course, you go to heaven. But really what it is is I'm just going to wait here until he comes and gets me. 
Again, yes, the, the parable of the ten virgins waiting with the oil, waiting on all that. I'm just simply suggesting if you are not satisfied in Christ now, then you're missing your cup being overflowed. Notice that David doesn't say one day when I get to heaven and I'm in the presence of my maker, then my cup overflows. Just in case you think I'm lying, look, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So the fact that there's enemies obviously means there's still trouble and he's not in heaven. You anoint my head with oil. You've welcomed me in as a guest. You, you've, you've allowed me to sit at your table and my cup overflows. And actually in the Hebrew, another way you could read it, my cup is so abundant with fat, it overflows now. I know I've mentioned this before. I have a friend who's going through lots of stuff. And one of the things that I have appreciated is that just about every time that I talk to him, he always says, I am blessed now. I'm not going to be blessed I'm blessed now. See, the Lord is always pouring, constantly pouring. If you can picture whatever it is, Niagara Falls is the first one that came to my head, and here I am with my little teacup trying to fill it up. But even in this grandness of Christ, of this Niagara Falls falling over, I still think that my teacup needs something else. So the Lord is always pouring. But a lot of times, we're not always holding the cup in place. It's hard to keep that cup under that pitcher, under that flow, if we're looking elsewhere. So as you consider your cup, your life, here's a question, here's a takeaway. Is your cup prepared to be filled up? Is your cup prepared to be filled up? Here's a couple of ways to notice that. Look in your cup and see if there's holes. Is there something in your life that you haven't dealt with that you said, oh, tomorrow? Is there some kind of something that you haven't dealt with? And if, if someone in here is not a believer in Christ, I, I invite you, I promise you that Christ will fill all those holes. The next one if, is if when you look in your cup, it is... There are no holes in this cup, but is there any debris that needs to be cleaned out? I mean, this is just an automatic given. If any time you come to my house and I offer you a cup of coffee, even though I know that that cup that I'm reaching in the cupboard is clean, I will always look to make sure, especially if I was the one who did the dishes last night, but I will always look to make sure, even if Natalie did the dishes. She's very thorough. I will always look. Why? Am I anticipating something is in there? No, but I would die if I gave you something that was some uh, foreign object in there. But a lot of times we do that for other people. Let me look at this cup before I offer it to you. Let me make sure that it's clean. Let me make sure the lipstick is off, whatever it is. But many times we don't even look at our own cup. And I know this is true, at least for me, because I looked at my coffee cup this morning, and man, I don't even wash it out. And it's gross. I just fill it up. Again, the coffee's hot enough. It'll kill the germs. It's only my germs. Like, I make all of these things in my head. Did I use creamer last night? I mean, all of these, I don't even consider it. Because what I've noticed, at least for me, is 
I tend to look out for everybody else's cup, sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a judgmental way. You need to clean your cup. (laughs) But when it comes to mine, I'll do it later. Sometimes I get a paper cup. It's convenient, it's on the go. Just like last week, I asked the question of when you are sitting in the presence of the Lord, when you're sitting at his table, sometimes do you just nibble, sometimes do you just grab something on the go? The same thing, do you just grab a cup, a paper cup on the go? So how is your cup? I would suggest that all of us want to be blessed by God. All of us hang on to the promises that he will bless us. I'm not talking about material, but... We've been blessed by that. But how prepared is your cup? And are you holding the cup in place? The other one is considering about your cup. Counting your blessings or some form of counting your blessings, writing them out, saying them out loud. Here's a quote from Spurgeon that I appreciated. Remember that what you have today was a prayer request from the past. Remember that what you have today was a hope and a desire from yesterday. Many times we come to the Lord with our cup and we think that our cup is so empty that it's going to take a while to fill up. But once we really consider what Christ has done for us and is doing for us and his promises for the future, when we look in our cup, we actually realize it's a lot more fuller than we give credit for. So how is your cup? How, is, how are you ready to receive all that God has asked? Because you are an honored guest. We haven't even considered, and we'll touch on that next week, we haven't even considered that a lot of times we don't come to the table to Christ because we don't feel worthy. We look down at ourselves and look and realize how dirty we are and think, I, let me go get cleaned up before I come to dinner. But yet, he anoints our head with oil and he invites us in in our current condition. And he's continuing to pour out so our cup will overflow. Part of overflowing, side note, here's, a, here's another one. If we're going to clean out our cup and we're going to count our blessings and remember what Spurgeon said, that remember that you have, what you have today was a prayer request from the past. The overflowing means that the water is not stagnant. It's flowing. It's overflowing. Now that I confess that I don't clean out my coffee cup, I'll also confess that sometimes I neglect my backyard. Specifically, there was an old can that I had some screws in that I left in the backyard, and I don't know if you noticed, but it's been raining. And um, it was disgusting. It was gross. The water was just had been sitting there, neglected. That's the part of the overflowing. What Christ is doing is as it's overflowing, it's not stagnant. Stagnant water creates all kinds of problems. But it needs to be flowing out to give to others. Because if it's stagnant, this is where we get religious. 
This is where we start inspecting other people's cup. This is where we're more concerned that at least our cup is to the brim, but it's not moving. I would also suggest if we're starting to look at other people's cup, then we are turning our heads away from God who's blessing us abundantly and our cup is just sitting there and we become judgmental, we become forgetful, we become angry, and the list goes on. But this flowing, this overflowing is, this abundance is for others. One of the notes that I was considering about having a cup that overflows, I was really trying to consider when do I feel that I'm really sitting at the Lord's table, that I, even the distractions on a good day when I'm not allowing them to come in, when I allow him to anoint me, to bless me, to spend time in his word, when I feel refreshed, when is it that my cup overflows? And, you know, when I clean out my cup, when I count my blessings, when I thank God for yesterday's answered prayer request, the other one that I wrote down is when I can celebrate others, other people's blessings. Even if it's a loss for me. Because sometimes if you're going through a difficult time and you see someone else who is being blessed, you're like, well, that's not fair. Why? That's, I'm way better than them. I work harder than them, whatever, whatever it is that you go to. But what about poor me? I'm experiencing blank. And again, in Spurgeon, as he's considering his cup overflowing, he was talking about if, if your brother is being blessed and you are not, thank God that he's not experiencing what you are. Celebrate his blessing, even at great loss to yourself. In Malachi the Israelites had been running off and doing their own thing and, and um, they were cutting corners on giving to the temple. They were cutting corners on taking care of one another. Um, they were getting too proud, too fat. Um, they were not doing, they were saying they were doing something. They were saying we're bringing everything to you, Lord, but knowing Good and well, they weren't. And in Malachi, we, we'll discuss this whole small minor prophets another time. But he says in, uh, in verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. It's the only time that God tells the Israelites to test him. Many times this is used to say, here, this is why you need to bring your tithes and offerings to the church. It's way more than that. It's not just your money, it's your life. Are you blessing God with your time? Are you taking shortcuts? Because it's the same understanding. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Your cup will overflow. It's not holding back. So as, as we close and as we consider this, just in inspecting our cup, being prepared for God to bless us, to recognize that we need to clean it out, to counter blessing, that the overflowing is for other people. It can't be stagnant. But just considering 
When God is blessing us, are we enjoying it? Are we sitting in his presence? Are, are we willing to have enough room to share it for other people? And as David is talking and he's sharing this, am I really sitting at the table with the Lord? Am I really allowing him to do the deep-rooted work in my life? My day has been long. I'm, I'm rubbing my head against so many different things the world has to offer. When I come to the presence of the Lord, when I sit at his table, when he anoints my head with oil, when I allow him to, my cup to overflow, am I willing to sit there and let him do it? See, David knew this. David knew this as a shepherd. David knew this as a king. And what you, what you will see in David's life is you will see that he was just as content being out in the field with his father's sheep as he was when he was sitting on his great throne room. And the reason why, when he really got it right, it didn't matter where he was, he recognized that he was in the presence of the Lord and God had him right where he was. It's the whole, the grass isn't greener on the other side. It's where God waters it. And that's the pouring out. So this morning as you are just considering this, as we sing a couple more times, just God is faithful to answer these, these questions. God, is there any holes in my cup? Is there something that I've been filling my cup up with? Will you help me count my blessings from yesterday's prayers? And as my cup is overflows, who is it that I can bless with my time, with my prayer, with anything? And that's why I sneak peek into next week. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Once we sit at this table and then we go out into the world, God is following us there. And the reality is, is he's still pouring our cup as we're working for him, living our lives for him. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for your willingness, your goodness, your love. Thank you for the fact that you have bestowed your Holy Spirit in us for those who believe that your Son is our Lord and Savior, for that gracious gift, Lord. Thank you that you do anoint us not only with your Spirit, but you anoint us um, not for our souls, but even here on earth, how much you have blessed us. Lord, we are so blessed by you. So Lord, will you help us look at our cup, look at our lives, Lord. Let us really sit at this table of yours. Let us recognize that we are honored guests. I do pray for anyone in here who does not feel like they can come to you because of the things that they've done. You know them. And you've sent your son to die for those sins, Lord. I pray for any one of us who are sitting in here that we just simply haven't come to your table to have our cup filled just simply because we've been too busy. Lord, but Lord, pray for anyone in here that um, who's concerned about cleaning other people's cup for good reasons or bad reasons, but make sure that you help us make sure that our cup is clean, Lord that we don't cheat and try to get a to-go cup, that we really sit in your presence, Lord. Lord, I do pray for anyone who is struggling with anything, spiritually or physically, emotionally. Lord, that um, 
that you speak to them now and remind them that you are with them. So Lord, as we sing more songs to you, let this be a time where we are counting our blessings as we pray to you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your faithfulness, especially when we're not faithful. So we thank you and we love you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.